This podcast contains content intended for a mature audience and is recommended for ages 18 or older. Please be aware that the content may include subjects involving sex, drugs, violence, and topics that may be sensitive to some listeners. There will also be spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for podcast updates and upcoming episode announcements. On today's episode of Smut Decoded, we discuss the books Hush Hush and Say Yes by Lucia Franco. In Hush Hush, we meet Aubrey. She lives in New York City with her best friend, Natalie. She's exhausted from working her butt off and going to school. She discovers the the world of high-end escorting from Natalie, and it opens a whole world of financial freedom for her. But it also opens her eyes to meeting the one and only James Riviera. Even though it's against the rules to date clients, they cannot deny their pull to each other. Something unexpected happens that pulls James and Aubrey apart. Will they ever be able to find their way back to each other? Welcome to Smut Decoded. It's your favorite smut lovers. Hey guys, it's Natalia. Hey y'all, it's Quinn. This age gap was pretty intense, literally. It was. Lucia Franco, in my opinion, is truly a phenomenal writer. She really knows how to grasp the emotions and pull you in. Hush Hush and Say Yes truly pulled both of us in. I did. We have so much drama and spicy scenes to tell you guys about and everything James Riviera to share with you guys. Well, James Riviera. James Riviera. Let's, let's just get this out of the way really quick. I absolutely loved James. He, I know. He was hot. He killed me the entire book. Something for me that, that really gets me with some of these writers, you feel that tingle in your gut and it just heats your whole body up and just spreads all the way down to your toes. What about you, Natalia? You love age gaps, right? I do. I'm you obsessed. Do. You <laughs> probably love them. I, I love them, but I think you love them a little more than I do. Seriously, this was the biggest age gap I have ever read because James really? was 52 and 52. she was 21. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> but I really, I loved it. I actually loved it. I love James. I love the pool that they had. Aubrey was very very interesting character. I had a lot of feelings about her, but James was very intense. He was so he was intense. Very, yeah. There was a lot of surprises in this book, I would say. A lot of surprises, a lot of emotions, a lot of everything. I truly, I loved it. I was very hesitant to read it, I'll be honest, because age gaps, they make me nervous. When did but you first read Hush Hush? I read it not long. It was, I read it this year. I don't remember exactly when, but then I was like, okay, you have to read this because James. You did. I wasn't sure if you read it because you read Off Balance, which guys, Lucia Franco's other series that we'll be discussing at a later time. (laughs) Speechless. We can do, we can go on days (laughs) about Kova and Rhea. We can, but I wasn't sure if you had read it because I jumped right from off balance and just straight into hush hush because you were like okay you're done hush hush right now yeah because remember it took you a while to read off balance remember i read it my feelings were my emotions were all over the place i thought i was gonna need to be bedridden at one point (laughs) i was so just I, i didn't know how to feel and then when i finished it i was like okay i i can breathe now but it took you a while because we were in the middle of some other books and then you were had your little book slump. I was like, oh, like it's time. Yeah. And you jumped in and I you did. were captivated. You were real hook, line, and sinker. It's all Lucia's fault. <laughs> it is, but I love her so much. Aubrey was born and raised in Queens, New York. Her parents died at a very young age. It was a tragic death. So she was raised by her Grammy. Loved mm-hmm. her Grammy. Grammy hit me right in the soul. 
the entire book. Right in the soul. She she didn't grow up with much, but they made it work. As Aubrey got older, she moved to Manhattan with her best friend Natalie. They were roommates. This book starts out where they are at their senior year in college. She's living with her best friend, and she's basically working two jobs, one in a laundromat, and she's nannying. And she's Ugh, the nannying. Ugh. I know. We'll get I, to I that. can't. I can't. <laughs> she pays her bills, and whatever she has left over, she gives to her Grammy. So she's trying to take care of her Grammy. But as she's working her two jobs, she finds out that her friend Natalie was high in escort because her friend Natalie kept bringing in this cash. Even though Natalie came from money, came from a very wealthy family, she mm-hmm. was rebellious. And we will get to that. I have a lot to say about that. What was funny was, do you remember what Natalie told Aubrey she did? What Aubrey thought the job was? A shot she, girl. A shot girl. <laughs> Where are you bringing in that much dough as a shot girl? Please right. let me know because I need that job. So once she's pulled into the world. <laughs> I love it. Someone please go to our Facebook group and put it in the comments. If anyone knows a shot girl rolling in some cash, we both want to be let made aware. Let me know. <laughs> I will add that to my W2, my what, 10, what is it, a 1099? Whatever I need, I'll, I, I will do it. All the records. Um, once she gets pulled into this world of high-end escorting by her friend and her roommate, she just wants like we said earlier, a life of financial stability to pay her bills and help her Grammy. She finds herself in three relationships, guys. Three. Her doctor boyfriend, Daniel. Her client, James, who is a high-profile attorney. And her job of escorting. And we will get down to the nitty-gritty. All the nitty-gritty details. Aubrey is no newbie to one-night stands. Mm-mm. Let's just get that out of the way. Because in the beginning of the book, it's her birthday weekend and Natalie's pretty much, we're going out. We're going to go party. The day with your, we're going party. I will pay for everything if that's a problem. You will wear my hot Louboutins and we're going party. Spend the day with Grammy, but at night you're mine. She actually has a one night stand in the bathroom at the club. She does. It's hot for like just a, a quickie pushed up against the, the sink actually, of a bathroom. She actually said he was like really well endowed. Yep. It happened multiple times because they go to another club together and they do it again, but they don't go into detail about that part. She also gives her name as Felicia. <laughs> I forgot that part. Yeah. And he's like, I'm never going to see you again, am I? And she's like, no, you're no, not. No, you're not. So See when later. Aubrey's yeah, so when Aubrey's roommate Nat finally revealed where she earns all her money because, like we said, she thought she was a shot girl. Mm-hmm. It's not from being a shot girl; it's from being a high end escort. She convinces Aubrey to meet her boss, which is Madame Christine. Madame Christine. Madame Christine is a little sex kitten. She runs Sanctuary Cove, she which does. is. Where high-end escorting all goes down, where all the business transactions and all that happens. For basically her job interview, Mm -hmm. really guacamole. There's a scene between the two in the office. Madame Christine's basically like, hey, Natalie, leave it up to me. I want to talk with Aubrey. Mm -hmm. And I got really tingly during this scene. Oh, my God. Okay. I got really tingly. This is the first time I have ever in my life have ever been turned on by a female, female scene. I mean, this was serious. This was hot. This was really hot. But here's the thing. I don't know if since my reading rebirth, if you will, because I read like a like a lesbian book in high school where these these two girls went to camp and, and they fell in love with each other and it was one of their first experiences with a female. So I read that in high school, but I don't recall a female, female scene in any of the books I've read until this one. We've read a lot of books. So I was surprised. What's interesting is Aubrey was so hesitant to even do this because of her morals. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing for you, Quinn. 
you it were was. like, okay, were her morals. And all of a sudden she's having this really hot sex scene with her, her new boss in her office. Oh, I'm pretty sure they both orgasmed during this on the yes. couch. Or I knew yes. Christine did, but I, I believe Aubrey did as well. Because they were rubbing tacos. <laughs> and she came out of there and she was like, Natalie, I totally went down on the gr- I, th- I think that was her first and only time going down on another woman. And she was like, I don't know what came over me. I just, we were in the moment and it just happened. Now, here's the question for you. Is that when Madame Christine told her about the orgasming rule or was that later? That's when she kind of laid down the rules. Madame Christine had a reason. Did she did that to all her new? She did. So she yeah. did that to Natalie and Aubrey came out and said, why didn't you tell me what was going on? And, and Natalie so was I like, think... you had to experience it for yourself, man. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I would I would have needed a warning. If you would not give me a heads up, I would have been like, why are we even friends? <laughs> But then again, I probably would have panicked and just turned around and just, I was like, can't do this. Uh, I think I, I would have like, been like, oh, okay, let's go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No you spoiler would alerts. I would, have, I, would have, I would have questioned everything like, what do I do? Am I doing this right? I'm sitting but there with so my bad. hooker on the week. What was her? I'm a hooker on the weekends mug that Natalie had at the yes. house. <laughs> Just sitting there with my my mug being like, how is your interview, Natalia? So like, but it goes back to Aubrey's morals because she was so hesitant. She's okay with, like we said, she's not a newbie to one night stands. It's getting paid for it is where she really was hesitant. But then she bangs her boss. And I'm like, girl, you really, and she dove right in, literally. I think... Aubrey did orgasm first, but you were going to get into those rules. She ended up giving her a work name because she couldn't yes. go by Aubrey. So it was Valentina. Which I actually loved when eventually James started calling her Val. I absolutely loved that because Val is a pretty sexy sex kitten name. Val. I, don't re- I don't remember Natalie's. Did she ever say her name? Natalie was Natalia. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> oh, wow. That's your sanctuary yeah. cove name. You're ready to go. <laughs> yes, I'm ready to go. I already had my scene with Madame Christine then. Oh, you did. That's the case. So the rules were, and I know you felt super strongly about one rule in particular, but you can't fall for your client. The one I thought was really interesting, and I wish we would have heard a little bit more on this aspect, you can only decline twice. And then it's like, we're going to have to reevaluate your entire employment. And I was like, okay, I know they have a vetting process. What if you get the flu? Like the flu puts you out for a week. I want to know more about this vetting process, how they were vetting these applicants. What kind of background checks were they doing? Like what levels of kink were and weren't okay? Because I'm just sitting here like, what if you get someone that's a total nutter butter and you're like, oh, can't say no next time if they request me, like the one guy, the Hannibal Lecter guy? Oh, right. Oh, my well, God. Because I know in the interview, she gives her her hard limits, what she's willing to do, what she's not willing to do. And then she kind of gives her schedule. And what is it? You're, she's only allowed to deny two a month? I think it's two total before they call her back in. That's why I was shocked. Okay, wow. I really did. I thought it was only two, period. And then they're like, you got to come back in and we're going to discuss the future at your company. I'm like, dang, you know. People get tired. (laughs) Escorts don't get tired. That's true. They don't (laughs) get it. And you know what was crazy to me was that I get the whole not falling for the client. That obviously causes a lot of mess. Right. But you're not allowed to orgasm before the client. Correct. A lot, because if you think about it, a lot of men get off when a woman orgasms first. They do. So that's what I didn't understand. And the second one, what this wasn't really a rule. The thing that they give the escorts to help them relax before a job is Percocets. Remember, I went on this big tangent. You did. It's you know, a pain we're gonna, pill. Well, where right. is the Xanax? Where is the volume? Where is the clonopin? Percocet like, made me drowsy. Percocet? 
you want and like she's like this could help you calm down and put me to sleep i'm gonna take a nap (laughs) i'm like i can understand if i was going into something that was gonna be really painful then give give me all the percocet but if you want me to chill out don't give me a percocet right that was just like my nurse brain going i was that's when i texted you and i was like (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but then again, high-end escorts, it's a life we don't understand. It could be different. It could be. But the whole orgasm thing, I didn't get that. Because what if you get a pleasure dom and he gets off on right. making you orgasm? What do you suppose? Sorry, dude, I can't. You can't pleasure me for your pleasure. What would you and do then, in that situation? Aubrey really had that rule stuck in her brain. The entire book. The entire book and it, it haunted me her. Insane. It drove me insane. <laughs> While all this is going on with Aubrey, we get a good glimpse of her relationship with her Grammy. Mm. I adored Grammy. Grammy was the most adorable little sub character. I wanted her as my Grammy. I wanted her cats, and I don't even like cats. I don't either. I wanted all of her cats. I wanted to bring them home. She was quirky and she was a spitfire. I loved how on Aubrey's 21st birthday, she was like, let's get drunk. And Aubrey was like, what are we drinking? And she was like, just shoot it. Just shoot it. And (laughs) Grammy shot it. And Aubrey was like, this doesn't even smell right. Wasn't it some like special kind of alcohol that she had hidden away or something? It might have been something that was like from a long time ago. It was something special, I felt like. Had something growing in it. But she was just so adorable. And I loved the relationship that they had. I really did. She really supported Aubrey through everything. It was really cute. I really well, that- loved Grammy. You mentioned my my struggle with the morals. And, and let's just take a second. So reading a lot of the different books that we've read has has really pushed my boundaries and opened my eyes to the big bad world, if you will, not seeing everything in black and white. The world is very gray and colorful. I love that reading has taken me on this journey to like see more of life with my eyes open. She had a really hard time with Grammy because she felt like she was almost lying to her or betraying her in some way because eventually as the money started coming in from the jobs, she was able to send a Grammy more money. And I I believe her excuse was, oh, I've just been picking up more babysitting. I've just mm. been doing whatever. And I don't think Grammy would have really cared. I think Grammy, based on their interactions, she truly just wanted Aubrey to be happy and mm-hmm. fulfilled in her life. Yeah. That was what I got from her. Grammy reminded me a lot of my own mother, just the way she was like, you know what, you're beautiful and you're strong and and I'm going to support you no matter what. That was how I connected so deeply with her. Out of all the hundred plus books we've read since last June, Grammy has been my favorite adult parental secondary Mm -hmm. character out of every Mm -hmm. book. Thank you, Lucia, for introducing us to Grammy. she She did so good. She really did. She does get with all of her characters. I really love Lucia. Me too. We get to the first time she meets James. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) I know this is something that you really want to talk about. I do appreciate an older gentleman. My husband knows this. Silas and I are not very far apart, 18 months or so, but my goodness, I really appreciate an older gentleman. Now, to be fair, this 30 plus year age gap was, like you said, probably the biggest age gap I've ever been exposed to slash read about. It totally made me nervous. But James was special in just the mm-hmm. way that he carried himself. Their first date, which Aubrey had to secretly ask Natalie about afterwards, and she made up James's name. She said his name was John when she was actually talking to Natalie about him. She mentioned that they didn't have sex. She's coming off of all these jobs and she knew some of them were test jobs to make sure she could handle it. I thought it was really special that her and James didn't have sex. And then he came back and he requested her again and wanted her wanted more of her. So for their first kiss, and this shook me to the core, she just told off that other attorney 
because he was literally talking shit to James at this party where James was being honored or it was some kind of charity thing and he was just bad mouthing him and Aubrey was like hey he fucks me good and he's hung like a horse you wouldn't be worth my time and then James kisses her so hard right by the taxi cab I was melting the whole time I was reading that I think James made me melt the whole book (laughs) he did literally they sat over it was like a little restaurant and they just they talked the whole time. Mm-hmm. Aubrey was confused because she was like, Was this supposed to happen? Was this a test? Natalie said none of her, if we're gonna be generic, John's or any of the men, they all wanted to to fuck Natalie. So Aubrey came home and was like, I don't know what to do with this. Did I do something wrong? Why didn't he want to have sex with me? That messed with her mind quite a bit. The development of her and James was different. It was not what I expected at all in Me this either. book. It took a while. It's weird because it's high-end escorting, and it was a slow burn almost with them two. It was sex all over the place, but with them two, it was literally a slow burn. And I was like, man, Lucia, like you, you got to give me something here, girlfriend. Because... We had this point where they both felt the chemistry between them and they felt like it was strong. That's when Aubrey started started Pushed denying him. She used two of her denies on him. She did. Then he found himself a loophole, right? He That's used right. his friend Reese mm. to request her. Yes, with he did. Madame Christine. When she goes and she sees James there, she's pretty much like what the fuck? And he's yeah, like, what well, are you doing here? You haven't been answering. You've been denying me. You haven't been returning any of my requests. Then Reese comes out in a towel and he pretty much says, mm. you know, I'm going to watch him fuck you. Mm, and I, could, I-, <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm so confused here because James comes off as this dominant alpha male. And I was like, wait, he's just, like that? He's going to share it that fast? He's never even fucked her yet? And let's throw in the curveball here. She had already met Daniel by this point. Yes. And so, so Daniel yeah. was her doctor boyfriend, her real boyfriend. He had no idea that she was escorting. They had met in a cafe. They went on a couple of dates. And he thought anytime she was escorting, she was doing her man jobs. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> The chemistry she had with Daniel was not like it was with James. And she had some. I thought they were cute. They were. And he had a past where his fiance cheated on him, I think, with his best friend. His best friend, yeah. He had trust issues. But she just wanted a normal relationship where she could be content. She just wanted to settle for normal, some kind of normalcy. And James was not normal. No. James was client. James was old. 31 years older than her. James could be her dad. Mm -hmm. That's why she was this push and pull with James. She was trying to push away. But then here comes the scene with James's friend, Reese. And Mm. oh my God. I thought I was going to, I thought, can I tell you, I thought I was going to be upset. I thought the scene was going to upset me because I thought it was going to ruin something between them. But oh my god, that was hot. I think James is a is it a voyeur where you watch? I guess, but that I was think hot. James that was hot. I I think James genuinely enjoyed watching her. Oh yeah, because Reese is doing her from behind, and he's sitting in a chair mm. right there. Mm. So she's facing him, and he's like, "Look at me." Look at <laughs> I'm me. getting tingly with you just talking right. about it, man. And I'm, when I'm <laughs> I actually, I think I was listening to it on audio and I was like, oh God, I think I had to pause it a few times because I was getting a little nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I had to calm myself. Yes. (laughs) Then after they're done, she rolls him over and she starts riding him. Mm -hmm. She's sitting right there. That was her way of saying, oh, you had control with that, but I'm taking control now. At one point, she tries to get something going with James they finished and he was just like well okay time to go what was so funny was throughout the whole rest of the book Reese was like hey 
anytime y'all are ready to do that again. Oh yeah, he <laughs> wanted another round, and James was like, "Nah, absolutely not. not happening." Her relationship with Daniel, again with the, and I don't want to sound like a moral Mandy because I'm. Like I said, these books pushed my morals, but I wanted her to break up with Daniel the entire freaking book. He was kind of a nice Pushy. guy. I felt like he was a judgmental prick. She like, tried to give that poor person, <clears throat> the homeless person money. He was like, don't you dare do that. Look, teach their own. We all have our feelings of what they might do with that money. Some people might choose to buy food. I've given homeless people, if I've had snacks in my car from the kids mm-hmm. or bottled water, opened, yep. I've even given, I've even given one man a Kool-Aid jammer, like a high, uh, I'm sure he type. loved that. I gave it to him. And I think I gave him like some Nutella sticks or whatever. And he was like, thank you so much. Cause I had that in my car from the kids and it was unopened. I was like, Look, this is what I have. Some people would rather buy him food. Aubrey had the money. Aubrey knew what it was like to, to struggle because she grew up with not much so mm-hmm. she wanted to open up shelters and when she graduated school he was like no you don't get them money you don't know mm-hmm. what they're gonna do with that look she's they're making motivated money. yeah she's making money let her do what she wants with her money mm-hmm. he was super judgmental he definitely tried to over influence almost because he went past encouraging. I, I don't want to say controlling, but definitely over-influenced her. And she could tell in any of our Daniel sex scenes. And that's what contributed to that whole emotion with her and James was that she noticed how different, even before her and James had sex, she noticed Yeah, because we're not even to the point where we're they not. had sex yet. But she already knew just from kissing. She did go down on James at Sanctuary Cove. And she could already tell that the chemistry with Daniel just wasn't as mm-hmm. intense, which I thought was oh, yeah. very You can tell just by reading. What's crazy is that she gets home one night and Natalie's like, hey. Because Natalie did not have a good relationship with her parents, mainly with her dad. Mm-hmm. Because her dad wanted her to have a set path. He was like, this is what you should go to school for. Natalie was kind of a brat and was rebellious. And she was like, oh, I'm yeah, I'm going to go to school. That's why she did high-end escort. She wanted her own money. She didn't want to use the wealth that she was born into. And it was just in a rebellious way. Her dad never really did anything to harm her. He didn't beat her. There was a traumatized past. And that really frustrated me. You know, they were at home one night and they get a call from her mom about some shindig they had that night. So her and Aubrey went and she meets Natalie's parents for the Mm. first time. And dun, 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 who's her dad? freaking james riviera <laughs> and why did she not make the connection because natalie the little brat changed her name her last name when she turned 18 as an act of rebellion before the party natalie talked on and off about her parents and their marriage mm-hmm. and how they were on again off again off and her again, dad's yeah. a workaholic and all this, Aubrey already had this preconceived notion of, oh, Nat's dad is a piece of shit and he's a low life and we don't like him. I thought the book was going in that direction because I read a similar book where it ended up being the chick's dad, but I felt Aubrey's total shock when she was like, oh, and he found out her real name too. He knew Valentina wasn't her name. Yeah. And he kept trying to figure it out, but he she did. didn't give it to him. What happened was she was at the boar. And they both turned around and saw each other. And she was kind of like, what are you doing here? And then that's when Natalie walked up and was like, this is my dad. Mm. You can tell that Aubrey was shitting herself. (laughs) Because I was shitting myself. I was like, oh, wow. Natalie walked off with her mom to the bathroom. Because she met her mom. Her mom loved her. We've heard so much about you. She was like, I'm out of here. Oh, yeah. Aubrey was like, peace out. I'm out of here. She gets a cab. James tries to run after her or, well, quote unquote, walk her out. Mm. And she goes home. And who follows her? 
freaking James. James. <laughs> and they have sex for the first time. And oh my God, it was the hottest sex I have ever read. I'm telling you, Lucia is so good with these sex scenes. Seriously. It was so taboo because it was in their apartment, mm-hmm. his daughter's apartment. And it was crazy because he was like, look, I want you to be mine. He offered her $10 million. million. It might have been eight. It was eight or 10. He gave her a check. He was like, I'll give you the other half once this is done. Mm-hmm. He wanted her to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Dump the boyfriend. No more escorting. First of all, for James Riviera... You wouldn't even have to offer me that much money, baby. Oh, no. I would have been a whole mad. <laughs> I would have been like, are we doing this for free? <laughs> oh, yeah. And she's the one that brought up that amount because she thought he was going to be like, that's too much. But he was like, oh, here's my checkbook. There you go. She was sitting there in shock like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. He accepted. It was... James, 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 James. You and I have a certain type. Well, I feel like I definitely have a type. I really love that dominating. Is it Broody? Brody? Broody. Broody. You know how I am with mispronunciations. Yeah, Brody's totally a name, <laughs> that, but Broody. That alpha Broody, asshole. alpha. Yeah. Alpha hole. Yes. Oh, yeah, give me all the broodiness. And Sprinkle you know- in a 10 to 15 year age gap. I'm done. So this even accelerated it even further for me. Things got very frustrating after this. Aubrey aggravated me. Lucia is amazing at creating a very strong-willed, stubborn female main character. The most stubborn females. The most stubborn. And Aubrey was so stubborn because she continued to escort. She continued to see James and she continued to see Daniel. Daniel, he was just getting strung along because she would go days without contacting him. And mm-hmm. he would be like, I missed you. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess I better go see Daniel and patch that up. I'm right. like, why? Cut that shit loose. <laughs> she kept saying, I'm going to leave him. I'm going to leave him. And she was like, oh, Daniel's so normal. I got aggravated because I'm like, girl, what? It got to the point where she was doing escorting jobs every night. Mm. And I'm like, how? That had to be exhausting. And, you know, she did confide in Natalie at one point about falling for a client. And Natalie came clean about she did at one point and she had to cut it off what she said was if you tell madame christine that you want this client off your list you can't ever put him back on that's what she ended up doing to james she completely took him off you know what else bugged me james's marriage was so flipping weird it was he still wore his wedding ring we obviously Mm -hmm. know now when she met Natalie's mom at the benefit and she hears Natalie having these phone conversations with her mom trying to calm her mom down she's sitting here like oh my gosh I'm the other woman like Mm -hmm. James is fucking me and saying things to me and Mm -hmm. his poor wife is off doing whatever I think it was because James had mentioned they tried to work it out But there's something, and sex is not everything in a marriage, don't get me wrong, but there's something to be said about finding your match in the bedroom and that sexual chemistry. Yes. She didn't like it. She didn't like how she wanted a very vanilla, Mm. make love to me, missionary, and he's very dominant. That was a no-go for the mom. He could dominate me anytime. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Look, if he knocked on my door right now, I'd be closing this laptop. Gotta go. The thing with Natalie was frustrating. She blamed everything on her dad. Mm, The whole time. She had no idea that her mom was okay with James hiring escorts. Like she knew. To take care of his needs. She was so small-minded about her parents and their marriage. She was so quick to blame the dad. When really... You got to work on it both ways. All you really saw was Natalie's side mm-hmm. of the mom. And so that's what was weird. That's what I was trying to understand. Like, Besides the whole bedroom thing, like, what else is wrong? I think maybe they just said at one point they stayed together because of Natalie. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Natalie, 
Let's get to, I think, your favorite, one of your favorite parts of the book, maybe. When she finds out. Yes. <laughs> James wrote the two checks. He and Aubrey either got in a fight or something happened, and she had the other half. And she, she ended things. I want to say she ended. No. Or maybe he found out. Oh, she because she, she, she was, was still escorting. And still she was still with Daniel. That's what and it was. And he, re- he was like, look, you, you got to cut it out. And she was like, you cannot tell me what to do. You don't own me. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote that check and left it, gave it On to the her. the counter. What she did was she put it in her desk. Wrong move, girlfriend. Because one day Natalie was in there looking for something and came across the check. It was made out to Aubrey. And it was signed by him, and mm. she saw the amount. Services. And so, <coughs> yeah, services. When Aubrey got home, Natalie was sitting at the table and was just blank. Oh, yeah. Very short, monotone. That's when Aubrey was like, red flag, what's wrong? She whipped out the check, and she was like, can you explain this to me? That's when shit really hit the fan, because when Aubrey is trying to explain everything to Natalie, Fucking Daniel pops up. Fucking Daniel. Did he have flowers with him? I I want to say he had flowers with him. Because they hadn't seen each other for like a week or talked or something. And he comes knock, knock, knock. And Natalie goes to the door and was like, perfect timing. (laughs) When Daniel was like, what's going on? I was expecting Natalie to say, look, I'm going to let Aubrey be honest with you. And I expected Natalie to walk away. She just found out. Her rage, her anger, the betrayal was fresh. She had no time to sit and simmer and really process anything. So she did what I know I would have done because I know how I get when I get angry. You see a little red sometimes. You see a little red. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. Quinn has to, she'll do it like a, what do you, she squirts me with a water bottle, even through text. She's like, Squirt, squirt, squirt. And I'm like, or she'll say, take a deep breath. And because she knows, she knows me so well. Natalie was so savage. She was ruthless. She, she pretty went much, off the rails. Oh, off the rails. She told Daniel everything. All the dirty laundry aired. And Aubrey couldn't, had nothing. She was like, speechless yeah and at this point she was going to move in with daniel because she wanted the normal relationship don't and I was remind like, me you are making the wrong choice is the thing the messed up part is is that madame christine paired them together knowing that james was natalie's dad she knew that was natalie's dad she knew that Aubrey and Natalie were roommates and best friends, and she still pa- paired them together because James had a specific woman that he wanted, and Aubrey matched up everything. I was pissed at Madame Christine. I was like, that little two-time conniving bitch. Natalie was so savage with how she aired everything out, and that's when Daniel was like, you're a slut. Daniel literally walks in the door, and Natalie's like, Hey, she's a high-end escort, so she's been fucking literally tens of whatever men since y'all been together. Actually, before y'all were together. And by the Mm -hmm. way, her biggest client is my fucking dad. Yeah. Suck on that, Daniel. She had that check in her hand. Oh, yeah. Things just unraveled. Daniel was done. Natalie was done. I have a question for you. What? Would do you consider what Aubrey was doing as cheating? Like, since her job was being a high-end escort, do you think that her fucking all those dudes was technically cheating? Yes, because he didn't know about it. Okay, fair. If she would have been honest. If he knew, then obviously no. I mean, if he was okay with it, because that's her job. But he didn't know. She was lying to all of them, everyone. I went really back and forth on this because like when you you start seeing someone, you keep a guard up, right? There's only Mm -hmm. so much you want to share in that initial like, hey, my name is Quinn. I want to get to know you. Here's all this. I mean, think about our friendship even. Think about what you knew about me in the first month or two. Versus, you literally know everything about me now. <laughs> so it's just like, like 
I you... could pull a, a Natalie in air, some dirty law. I know we both could. <laughs> But like, so, so at, at that point, do you wait until, and I don't ever think she loved, she like, would, I think she cared for him. But I think she loved the, the idea of him. Yes. Of the normalcy of the relationship. So if you're a high-end escort and you're fucking, because that's what you're paid to do, mm-hmm. and you start falling in love with someone who's not a client, who's just a guy you met at a bar or a guy you met at the coffee shop, at what point do you say, hey... I didn't know where this was going, but I fuck people for a living. I just, I guess if they really loved you, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I would probably get that over. I would tell them that probably before the first date. If we're texting, I'd be like, look, this is my job. Take it or leave it. There's so many things that I was just frustrated because when things spiraled, it really was Aubrey's fault. Because she basically let things spiral on her own. She could have prevented a lot, but it was all self-inflicted. She was dishonest. And when things started spiraling out of control, she could have prevented all that. She could have easily left Daniel. And there were so, so many opportunities she had to do mm-hmm. something. Even if you're not going to dump him right away, start start giving out subtle hints. Start putting and out some clues. This is when the whole stubbornness comes. Like, Lucia did so amazing with Aubrey's character. And the aftermath, she was basically alone. She started noticing that Grammy wasn't feeling well. But then she got a call saying, hey, your grandmother's in the hospital. Mm. Things really started to spiral. She didn't have James. She didn't have Daniel. James called her at the same time every single day. And And every day she declined it. She didn't have Natalie. This was in a two-week span because Grammy was in the hospital. Mm. They found out it was cancer. Mm. Lung cancer at at, at that. Lung cancer. So Grammy was like, I just want to go home. I'm Mm. done with this. And so she brought her home on on hospice. That's when things started to really click for Aubrey. She was like, wait, this is... They're just making her comfortable. This isn't... Yeah. This nurse isn't here to improve her health this is to make her comfortable while she's dying grammy was older and grammy lived a full life at that point grammy was okay she was at peace and she did not want the treatment no she didn't it was just gonna make it worse she wanted to live the time she had with aubrey and her cat when grammy passed I cried. You were reading another book, but I woke up. I was up till two in the morning and we're texting because you're reading something and you couldn't sleep. I'm on my sofa bawling my eyes out and you're like, Mm. what's wrong? And I was like, Grammy died. I remember that. Aubrey was laying next to her when Mm. she passed. They needed that. Both of them. That was that moment. I'm trying oh, not to tear up as we're doing this. This because... is a big sensitive subject for Quinn. It is. Um, th- her mother passed away from lung cancer. How mm-hmm. long ago? It'll be five years in June. The way that Lucia wrote the funeral stuff. That was hard. Trying not to get shaky. Like you said, she captured it so mm-hmm. well. Honestly, yes, Grammy passed away, but she did it so beautifully. She did. And the the raw emotion that... Aubrey experienced what really hit me hard was the numbness that Aubrey experienced and just really that sense of like I am I'm dealing with this loss I'm in this space I cried I I think all three or three plus chapters because because Lucia spent a lot of time on that and I was very emotional the whole time Natalie showed up at the funeral yes yes and she was basically like, look, I'm not forgiving you, but I'm here for Grammy. Her showing up at that funeral, it helped me be at peace for Aubrey because I was sad that she was alone. I'm not saying that I wanted Grammy to die, but Aubrey was one of those characters where Aubrey needed to learn who Aubrey was mm-hmm. without the yep. influence of others, whether it yep. be James or Natalie, or Grammy, even Daniel a little bit, Aubrey spent so much time trying to be what everyone else wanted her to be instead of focusing on what she wanted and her own goals. 
So not having James there, not having this comfort blanket of Daniel, not having Natalie Mm -hmm. encouraging her and putting all that stuff in her ear. Aubrey really took that time and figured it out. It was a pivotal moment. It was. I loved that. I loved how Lucia did that. Do you want to talk about what Aubrey did after Granny's death? Her and Natalie pretty much reconciled. She graduated. And once again, no one was there. And she Um, really focused on her shelters and making that possible. She had a a non-for-profit shelter for women and children. Mm Mm-hmm. Three years go by, and actually Natalie helps her. They're celebrating a pivotal moment in Aubrey's career. Natalie was like, I'm really tired of my dad being miserable, and I'm really tired of you being miserable because I can tell you we miss each other. Just very straight to the point. Aubrey was like, what? Like, <laughs> Because it's been what? such a long amount of time. And he got a divorce. Mm. He was living in a brownstone in Brooklyn. He was done. He was done with his marriage. He was moving forward, not romantically because he loved Aubrey, but Natalie, three years down the road, she's like, Y'all are love each other. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, And I'm tired of this. So be together. And so when they go to leave, there he is. Mm, There he is. Hello. He's at this point, what, 55? Three years. Yeah. He was 52 when we started. That's when we get into Say Yes. Say Yes is pretty much like an extended epilogue. Oh, so good. They've been together. They've traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. They're still living in their brownstone. Her and Natalie are still very close. James wants to get married. They went on we a love trip. They went on a secluded yes. trip. That little tropical. Oh, and mm-hmm. so much happened. He set this whole scene for her. Mm-hmm. I thought this was interesting. I struggled. I loved Say Yes. I think I actually rated Say Yes in my initial review higher than Hush Hush, which is funny because it was so much shorter. I loved them both. Five out of five, Lucia. The whole premise of Aubrey being okay with escorting was that she was okay with non-committal, non-attachment relationships. That was the whole thing in Hush Hush, which was why her finding James and finding someone she wanted that longer-term commitment with was such a big deal. Now we're in Say Yes, and they've been together, and they're doing all the things, and she's still sitting here like, yes, I love you, and yes, I love our life together, but no, I don't really want to marry you. And I was like, what is your problem? I'll marry him. Are you crazy? (laughs) But the main thing was, is that she, again, she didn't want to go back to betraying Natalie. At this point, I'm like, who cares? Natalie is traveling the world or she was getting ready to leave the country. She went to Italy right before their trip. She was like, I'm going to Italy. I don't know when I'll be back. They have this FaceTime call where she actually has this one night stand in her bed. And James is like, who is that? <laughs> Natalie was like, this is my best friend. And then this is my dad. And That's they're so together. Funny. And they fucking. <laughs> yeah. And they're fucking. But she basically didn't want to tell him yes, because she wanted Natalie's approval. And at this point, I'm like, yes. She helped get y'all back together. Who gives it? I know. She pretty much pointed out that y'all were miserable. But then I really... Take that ring and run. Then I really wasn't sure because what her and James had was just so beautiful. Sometimes when people think about traditional marriages, you never want that relationship to go in a certain direction and to change. So if she's like, I love the way James and I are, I love our life together. She was honestly also very scared. People have that saying, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Don't fix it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like, nope. Then James got tired. They got in like this little fight. James called his daughter over. Aubrey was like, what are you doing here? She was like, well, the princess is upset. And so I have to come tata my dad because the princess is upset. (laughs) And Aubrey's like, what? And Natalie's like, you're the princess. That was like really cute. But let me call my daughter to come fix everything. At that point, that's when he told Natalie, look, I want to propose. And she gave him the okay. Yeah. 
back in like the bungalow thing. They talked about getting married, but did he actually go down on one knee? Was it even a real proposal? There is something to be said about a true proposal. And do they want to stay in the brownstone? Do they not? Obviously at 55, actually his birthday was also in say yes. So he's turning 56. I don't know at what point a man can't have babies. I guess he could technically. Are they going to have kids? Aubrey didn't want kids. I don't think. I really don't think she did either. They really didn't touch on that too much. And honestly, who cares? She has James. That's all she needs. Um, <laughs> As both of us being moms of three, we're like, who cares? She loved their life in their brownstone and she wanted to stay there. Overall, I think Lucia did amazing with this book. I love her as an author. I think she's adorable and so sweet. She writes phenomenal, phenomenal well, age gaps. Her sex scenes are some of the oh. hottest. Oh gosh, just wait till we do Off Balance, y'all. Oh my God. <laughs> Make sure y'all read Off Balance series by Lucia Franco. We will be covering it at some point. Mm. We're going to have to reread it because we want to reconnect with those sex scenes again before we record. But we're really excited to share that with you guys. I really hope y'all enjoyed Hush Hush and Say Yes like we did because we loved it. Please come in our Facebook group. Start a discussion post with us. We will chat with you. We love chatting about all things book-related and... Go give Lucia Franco a follow if you aren't already because she's fantastic. Yes, give her a shout out. She is amazing. We will definitely be covering our lovely Rhea and Kova. Until then, that's a wrap for tonight with Smut to Code It, guys. Good night. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode on Smut to Code It. Smut to Code It was created and produced by us, Natalia and Quinn. If you want to chat with us about an episode or send us any book recommendations, join our Smut Decoded discussion group on Facebook. We would love to hear from you.